we've fought so hard for not being pixel pushers and not being seen as like the cherry on top but rather that there is a process behind it and so we've kind of gone into the other extreme make up your mind Welcome to the Zero to Design podcast, where four designers, Wana, Saki, Noor, and myself, DJ, talk about design stuff. In this episode, we're going to debate whether UI is underappreciated compared to UX. Do we put lots of time and effort into getting the UX right, but then rush through the UI? And for today's design inspiration, we're going to critique an app that has become an overnight success in times of quarantine, House Party. Let's do this. I think designers spend a lot of time on figuring out the best UX, but don't spend enough time on figuring out the best UI. I'd like to qualify that statement, right? Because I don't think that's true universally. Clearly it's not, right? There are loads of companies that focus a lot on UI. Um, but I do think it could be true in, in companies that have maybe don't have specialized design roles. So just have a bunch of product designers and, um, you know, maybe those product designers are encouraged to focus on getting the experience right and the, you know, and get the UI out the door quickly. But I think it's important to differentiate because I don't think universally people, you know, there are entire teams of UI designers in certain companies. Yeah, you're right. I think I'm talking mainly about end-to-end designers that have to do a lot of things. But I think these days there's just so much focus on getting the user journey right, getting the experience right. And then for UI, we have these magical things called design systems. (laughs) And they are great and they have a lot of pros. But I think it's almost automating a lot of the UI process and takes any of the kind of creativity or the extra spark that could be brought to life. I agree, especially on the point with design systems. Um... I believe they're super valuable, but I do think there's actually a bigger task than creating them, and that is maintaining them, which I think uh, we have to figure out where that responsibility lies. I don't know if it's on the UI designer or product designer, whoever, to do that, because a lot of the time, especially in my company, we have one, but it's out of date now, and it seems to be a massive time-consuming task to to bring it back up to date. Well, that's exactly my point, because... The fact you say it's out of date means that people aren't really putting in the same kind of effort as you would when you build a new feature and you would always make sure the user experience is looked at in quite a lot of detail. I don't know. I think like automating UI design is probably not what we should expect design systems to do. Like I think like design systems help push for consistency and definitely make us more Mm. effective. But I think the danger that they have now is that people just expect you to like, you know, get to the point of a wireframe, everyone agrees on it, and then it's basically done because you just use components from the design system. And, you know, I think that the point that DJ was trying to make when he first brought this topic to us was that that's not okay because you can't just use components from the design system all the time. Like you have to try and be creative and innovative sometimes in the UI as well as in the UX part. But do you think UI is quite subjective and it's very hard to formalize and actually have a process around it? Like in the UX, we have workshops and we have actual stages that we go through sometimes, even though they vary from role to role or company to company. 
but there is a, a process people are familiar with. Can we implement something similar in UI, or is it just too subjective and too creative to pinpoint to a more formal process? That's a leading question, Nora. I feel like you have an opinion on that. <laughs> no. I'm just saying I find it hard to draw parallels in that sense. I think UX is more scientific, but I can be biased because I do come from a, a business analysis um, and technical background. So I've, I've leaned towards UX and that's my strength. I'm not saying that UI is less important. I'm saying I don't know as much as I should probably know. Hence, I find it a bit mind-numbing and repetitive. I hope the UI designers haven't left this podcast after hearing that last snippet. Um, <laughs> but I, I think there's, there's so much that we don't necessarily uh, explore on UI because, I mean, for me, we don't have the time to do that. Uh, and like DJ said before, the UX is very much the focus of making sure the experience is really good because it's just, you know, you want to make it usable and then the kind of attractiveness comes a bit later. Um, but I think things like color theory, there's like, there's a whole science behind that. It's extremely complicated. And we, I think we barely touch onto it, but there's so much behind that. If you really wanted to learn it or understand it, um, that it can get quite complex. I just want to um, go back to a previous point we talked on um, about design libraries, which, which kind of everyone chimed in on. I've had two different experiences with design libraries, one being in a startup, one being in kind of a scale-up, a bit more of a corporate environment. In the startup, we didn't have a design library. We wanted to build one. And so, you know, UI took a lot of time and, and it was very important. And then within the scale-up, there was already kind of like an existing library that's set up and UI almost took a backseat or at least they were trying to make it take a backseat. So it does very much depend um, on the scenario that you're in and the company that you're in. And I think especially with smaller companies that want to churn out stuff quickly, you may not have the time to build up a system and a library and a, and a component that has the perfect auto layout <laughs> or anything like that. Yeah, that reminds me of a discussion that we were having a couple of nights ago, a pretty heated one actually, um, around whether people actually notice UI that much. Whoa! Exactly. <laughs> if you use a component from a design system versus spend an extra half a day on like thinking about a new component that's far more creative and maybe more dynamic, more animated, does that make a huge difference to people, particularly, you know, if you think about the startup that you're in, Saki, like, would, how would you even begin to sell that to your product manager that you'd spend a bit more time figuring out the perfect component for this thing? Yeah, it's tough. I think um, that that's the classic short-term, long-term argument. Um, and for a startup that was, was kind of 80, 90 people, um, that had one designer and four product managers, it does become very difficult to justify that <laughs> no matter how much uh, of a benefit you'd have in the long term. Um, one thing it really did actually help me to do um, being in that state was actually get much quicker at UI though, I would say. So I think, because um, I, so I knew it was more important, but almost, you know, I, I also kind of understood that UX is, um, important and my kind of you know preference um, is towards UX that I tried to kind of speed up the UI to just be faster at creating components and stuff but yeah I, I don't think I would have been in a position to be able to justify um, 
justify that kind of let alone kind of quantify it either probably yeah i mean i think it's a clear point you make about what can you sell to stakeholders like can you sell ui can you sell ux um and i think for me there's not enough research done on the benefits of ui i think for ux it's probably a lot more understood that if you make the journey better and you demonstrate to someone everyone gets it and they're like oh wow i've cut several steps out or it's a lot smoother but i think when it comes to the ui if you show someone a nicer ui and maybe designers might be like oh that's a lot smoother but stakeholders will be like mm, okay yeah i think the value of brand also comes into this when you have a brand that's sleek clean um and can kind of portray a certain style it can sometimes trump the experience and you're just kind of latched onto the brand um that definitely kind of comes to my mind as when ui can come in another thing which i recently picked up from my ux companion app is um the uh aesthetic usability effect which is that you know things can be perceived to be more usable if they look visually more appealing um so it could be a bit of a misnomer but you know, you see that a lot of times, especially with people that maybe aren't so aware of what design is. They're like, oh my God, it looks great. And then you're just like, oh yeah, but you didn't realize that you can't actually do anything on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's exactly the point because the benefits of having a great UI and a very slick set of components is that it gives you more affordance for times where your UX is bad. And obviously you'll hear the classic thing of no matter how beautiful your app is, if it's a bad experience, it's not going to be good and it's not going to sell. But then I think flipping it around, if you have a really great UI, it actually gives you a lot of leeway to make mistakes. And then if you go to the other extreme about when you do things well, if you do it great from a UX perspective and then also deliver on UI, it's like a compounding effect. So actually you're getting a multiplier there as well. And I think we don't really talk about that enough. I have to agree with that. Yeah, I definitely agree with that as well. However, <laughs> I think like we all have to be realistic about the circumstances that we operate in, right? Like we operate under deadlines and like we have to get products out. And going back to what Saki was saying earlier, right? Like if you're an earlier stage startup, or even if you're not actually, right? You'll have a lot of people who are looking to see results fast and to get stuff out. Um, and so it becomes a matter of like, I mean, it's great when you have a great UX and the, a great UI that compounds the effect, as you say, DJ, but sometimes you have to make tough choices and basically like say, okay, I'm gonna focus a day on like doing some user research and figuring out how the workflow um, is gonna pan out. And, and then I'll just kind of, uh, you know, try and work with the developer to implement it using design system components and, and just get it out, right? Yeah, so I'll definitely concede that when it comes down to the crunch, you can focus on UX um, as opposed to UI when you have limited resources. I think maybe what I'd be going for is as you start to expand, when you're bringing on new people, make sure you're actually allowing them to work on UI in isolation and not actually just being a tiny bit a part of everyone's job. Yeah, you kind of made a point there about um having dedicated time to UI or etc would you would you then say that it's important to have a dedicated resource or is that taking it too far we currently have dedicated resource on UI in a project where there's like three of us in total in terms of designers 
And I am so thankful for that because I produce wireframes and just spit them at him and then he just like makes them more pretty. And that's literally what he does. Um, and that saves so much time. I'm not gonna lie. And, I, and he was away for a few days, literally like last week. And I had to do design, the UI element. And I just re I remembered how difficult and time consuming and frustrating it can be for someone who's not as upskilled to do it. So do you think we're moving towards that? Or do you think we're moving toward more, more hybrid roles? Yeah, I think it depends, right? Like, I think for you, it's a blessing to have a dedicated UI resource. I think for me, it's more like, because I enjoy both UX and UI. Like for me, it's um, actually would be annoying to have someone who takes away that part of, because I would like to be involved in the end-to-end -end process because I like, I like everything. Um, and so like, I think it depends on what type of skills you have in the team. I think what's important is, making time for it, whether that's making time in a separate resource or making time in your own product designers, like allocation of time, but um, it's just, well, or making space, let's say for the UI design to happen out of just like assuming that it can be done and automated really fast using the design system. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it has to be a dedicated UI, uh, UI designer. Um, whether you do it through one person or an extra person, just allocating more time to it. Because I think you never really actually explore the benefits there and also actually improve the skills. Because the industry is moving more towards um, a product designer or an end-to-end -end designer, especially in the smaller companies. You know, obviously as the companies get really big and it's a design-led or you've got a huge design operation, you can easily get dedicated people for the various roles. But in the kind of early stages, when you have an end-to-end -end designer, it's great being a hybrid, but I feel that UI is just really not looked at enough. And so it just kind of gets left behind and slowly and slowly, you're not getting anything that's different on, on all these kind of websites and applications. And then you get these rare ones that come with like Monzo or Airbnb. And yes, the experience is great, but they also have this amazing UI and that doesn't come from nowhere. I want to raise, um, I want to raise a point because it feels like a bit of a catch twenty two, and and let me know if you agree or disagree with this. Um, we, I think we strive to kind of make design or like make people understand that design is not just a visual thing, and that the experience and the analysis part is important. But here we're kind of saying, mm -hmm. um, the the visual part is important we've kind of forgotten about it um and we need to push back more towards that side but we kind of we kind of also don't want that in a way it's like we, we've tried so hard to not make it like that but yeah that's an of, excellent yeah. point because i actually think part of the reason why ui is starting to be a little bit like the kind of um, underappreciated child in the design process is because we've fought so hard for not being p pixel pushers and not being seen as like the cherry on top, but rather that there is a process behind it. And so we've kind of gone into the other extreme. And I wonder if like, yeah, like now what is the right balance? Because I think you rightly pointed out, Saki, like we can't just go back and say, no, but we do care about the visuals and we want to do visuals. And then people <laughs> yeah. will be like, okay, but make up your mind. That's interesting because hands up for those of us who, who join design because of the visual element. I mean, I think about our skill set, think about where we came from. I wouldn't have gone into design if I thought it was so visual and creative and graphical. 
I would have actually been a bit intimidated to join design. I think we've done a good, I think there's been a good shift in the industry in terms of, you know, come from an analysis background, come from a technical background, any sort of background, but you can apply what you've learned to design and it's problem solving as opposed to making things look pretty. And I think having, if we now shift back to that whole concept of this is visual, this is design at the end of the day, it's in the name, I think we might dissuade a lot of people with different backgrounds. I definitely don't think we should switch back uh, to how it was before, where there is a, a focus on um, UI so heavily. I think when you say UI is about making pretty, and obviously you don't mean that you know, specifically. Of course not. I think, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think that is kind of the problem, right? We definitely want to get away from that. And we've now said to everyone, hey, there's more of a process here as problem thinking. But we said there's a process around UX, now, what I want to say is there's a process around UI. And that's kind of what I want to bring out more. Because when Apple or Monzo or TransferWise revolutionize this experience, they, of course, innovate the journey and experience, but they also innovate the components and the UI to mm -hmm. match that. And I think it's that time there, which I think really is now only given to companies that do have big design teams. And I'm just saying, could we explore those benefits by bringing it a little bit earlier when, you know, you don't have so many designers, but you spend, each designer spends a little bit of time on that. And I think that could really pay off in the long term if everyone does that over time. I think that's, I, it reminds me so much of um, the Apple Watch experience. So I recently got an Apple Watch, sorry, Apple fanboy here. Um, and <laughs> the experience like the user experience is so good between the watch and my phone and even my Mac. So the ecosystem part plays in really well. But honestly, the UI is incredible. Like I, I thought on such a small screen, it's so small and it would just look awful. On the actual app as well, the, the kind of color palette, for example, just pops. The rings element is so good. Like they've really, they've really combined awesome experience with an awesome interface. Yeah, that reminds me of a thought that I had initially as well, which is it's so hard to like differentiate between UX and UI sometimes. Like, you know, when you say like a clean UI, like that's actually UX as well because the information hierarchy is clean and structured. So it's, you know, for me, it's a little bit hard to say we should invest more in UI because sometimes the UI reflects the UX and vice versa. I'm going to say it's very important just to know UI fundamentals, like layout, typography, spacing. I don't think you need to make the prettiest UI, but when you get the fundamentals right, it can just make a screen or an app look quite sensible. Well, this is the thing. I think that actually you wouldn't see a lot of this in a UI, sorry, in a portfolio, because where this industry has gone, right? And you're talking about how you learn UI and like learning UI fundamentals. But I think I'd like to go a step further than that. Like we learn a lot of UX fundamentals and then we go further than that because, you know, Google has a whole library on design sprints um, and you can learn about design thinking end to end. You can learn about several different methodologies and you can really upskill yourself as a UX designer or an end to end designer quite easily. But when it comes to UI, me personally, I actually wouldn't know how to upskill myself to maybe an uh, intermediate or advanced person without actually just going out in the, in the wild and collecting lots of examples from what I think is great. 
So are you saying UI is more skill-based then? Yeah, just check out loads of dribble posts. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note... I'm super proud of myself because my idea to critique House Party has been chosen for our design inspo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is extremely topical in these like uh, heavy quarantine times. <laughs> yeah, I know. And with that said, I would just like to talk about my personal experience downloading House Party and getting to know about it and then find out how you guys thought it, how you guys thought it was and your experience as well. House Party is mad. I mean, I didn't, yeah, initially I didn't know anything about it, actually. I didn't even know. I think I got a link from somebody. And then my little sister, who's like 11, I was like, oh, that's like over a year old. Or I've, I've downloaded it since last year. I mean, I deleted it and then I'm re-downloading it now. <laughs> reinstalling. And that in itself is probably what most people have gone through, those who've downloaded before. And the question is, why is it so popular now? Isn't what about Skype or just FaceTime, WhatsApp video, all those other channels? What is its unique selling point? And that's what really got me. And I'm still trying to figure out, but I think it has that fun element which is missing from other platforms. It's, it's so fluid. You can jump in and out. You can hop on a call quickly. You can see who's online. It's, it's just like FaceTime on steroids. It's crazy. Didn't Crazy. I tell you to download it like a few days ago? And you were like, "No, nah, mate, I don't need that." Yeah, sorry. I it's, look, look, 2020. I'm a new man. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think people need an explanation when you use words like "mad" and "fluid," Saki, because not everyone here is 20 years old. Gen Z. So. Oh, sorry. Fluid, <laughs> fluid, as in you can join chats or you can call someone really quickly, and then also leave those conversations really quickly one of my favorite things to do at house party is just join a, a, a call with like one person that's my friend and there's like oh, three other no, people that, that aren't guy. my friends and then i just jump in say something and then leave <laughs> well yeah i think the fluidity is uh very cool but also quite scary as well because when you join your chat your video, whatever you want to call it, is open. And so someone can jump into that straight away. No one's safe. So it's like instantaneous, which makes sense when you think about it because you're in the house. But that's also quite daunting. And like, I've noticed now that there's a lot of people that just join and lock their rooms straight away. So I just see a list of my friends all in locked rooms by themselves. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to say, I've had mixed reactions to this app. And I think it goes back to our UX versus UI debates because I think UX-wise, the app is genius. Like the fact that you don't have to in intentionally trigger a conversation with someone, but just you being present, like opens you up to conversations. I in think the house. Great and super, yeah, in the house is super original. And like no other, you know, going back to your question, nor like I don't think Skype or Zoom or Google Meet or whatever have that functionality, right? Like you come online and you're available, but someone still has to make a call and you have to answer it or vice versa. Whereas this is like very spontaneous, which is, you know, recreating some of the like real life, you know, you bump into someone on the street and go for a drink or whatever. So that's great. But I think the UI, I don't know if I'm the oldest here and maybe that's why, but I find the UI <laughs> so frustrating. Yeah, like I have no I idea. I love the UI. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea how to get around. Like, I don't know how to, I'm in a room and I don't know how to get out of the room. I don't know how to like <laughs> contact 
specific people is just crazy. There's one UX thing that I, I found very weird, which is um, the concept of a wave starts a call. But then when you're already on a call and you wave someone, it invites them to your call. <laughs> and it's Ooh. like, it's a different, yeah, it's it's different functionality based on your scenario, but the same button. So that's that's very much a faux pas. And I think I'm going to raise if, that with the developers. If you wave at somebody who's not in the, in the house, in the conversation, you mean, then they'll be invited to your existing call? Yeah, exactly. Even though I just want to like singularly wave at a friend one time. My friend actually did this. He was in, He was in a chat with his friend. And then he separately tried to wave to me, but then when I tried to wave back and join him, I joined his chat with the other person. <laughs> oh, I see. That's, <laughs> well, that's interesting it's design. Confusing. Yeah, I don't know, because in a real life situation, again, if you were at a party and you're talking to a friend and then you're waving to a third person, that you're is them kind over. of like an invite to, for oh, them to join your conversation, yo. right? Mind they really blown. thought about this. Yeah, honestly, they have. The experience is 100. Is it, the main thing is just jumping on a conversation quickly, and it, you can't get it any quicker anywhere else. Well, I think I'm going to do what you were talking about before, Saki, and just leave. <laughs> <laughs> okay, DJ has left the charts. But one, one question, just one food for four, actually, which doesn't have to be answered now, but I want to leave this. I want to leave the chat like this. Will it live past COVID-19? No. Ooh. No. And that's a wrap from us at Zero to Design. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you have topics you want to discuss, or better yet, if you'd like to join us as a guest, get in touch at Zero to Design on Insta or Twitter. Either way, you better be following. <laughs> like it or not, you'll be hearing from us soon. Bye now from Saki, Wana, DJ and myself, Noor.